Welcome back, everybody. We have our Bible study with Galatians happening right now. We had a bit of a glitch there a minute ago. Not quite sure how happened that bad, but anyway. No, all good. Moving right along. Let me quiz give, time. Oh, yeah, yes. Let quiz, me give another quiz, quiz. quiz. Okay, so this is a Who Am I quiz. The first clue was Hebrews 3.1 tells us to fix our thoughts on this person. Second clue is Isaiah 7.14 speaks truth about my birth. And the third clue is I said... It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Or pricks. Mm-hmm. It is hard another. for you to kick against the pricks is another rendition yes. of You that. know what a goad is? Is it a prick? A goad is a long spike on the end of a stick. And you know what you use it for? Goading things? <laughs> do, you know, do you know, dear? You, do you know what goading is? I'm guessing. <laughs> okay, so we were goading some cattle the other day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. So when you try and drive cattle, you goad them and so you have a long pointy stick. You poke them, a prodding thing. Oh, okay. Yes, I get this, it. Makes and this sense. And person, this person said to Paul that he was kicking against the pricks or the goads. He was kicking the wrong direction it was going to hurt. So he was being stubborn against instruction, basically. From this person. Mm, okay. Who am I? Yeah. If you think you know who that person is, give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669. You can even jump on our Facebook and message us there if it's easier. Just look for Faith FM Australia. And we will send you a copy of the book, The First Lie by Barbara M. Weimer, which is all about the first lie that was ever told. Wonder what that might be. Well, there's another lie that is going around, Monica, and that is that the law of God has been done away with. What? Yes. And there are those who say that the law of God wasn't even in existence until Mount Sinai. I mean, I feel like they might have some evidence there, Lyle. I mean, didn't we hear about it for the first time at Mount Sinai? Oh, you did. Okay, so we need to look into that particular issue, and I'm going to give you a Bible verse to read, Mon. Okay. That's going to strengthen that argument. Let me get my Bible out. I'm it's ready. Going to strengthen the argument. There's Galatians chapter 3, so you've gone the wrong way. Galatians chapter 3. Yeah, she was looking in Exodus. I was. I was going straight to the beginning. Okay. Galatians, Galatians chapter three. 3 and mm-hmm. verse 19, it's going to make it sound like the law didn't exist until Mount Sinai. Galatians 3.19, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Yeah, this definitely sounds like it was yeah, given it does, to as Moses and done away with at the birth of Christ. Uh-huh. So what's the secret to this particular passage here? First of all, we need to find out whether the law existed before the time of Moses. We sure do. We need to find out whether the gospel existed. We need to find out whether the word of God existed before the time of Moses. Let's go digging. Okay, so first of all, we need to understand why was it that Moses was the first one to write down any of God's message. I want you to think about this for a moment. Mm -hmm. How was God's message communicated before Moses wrote it down, the first five books? I have absolutely no idea. It was communicated by word of mouth. Makes sense. So it was handed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And what's the danger in God's word being handed down generation to generation? Is it like Chinese whispers? We mess it up eventually? Uh, It could be. How many generations do you think it would take to mess it up? I don't think it would take that many, knowing how silly we humans can be. (laughs) Okay, how many generations? Before the the, uh, Israelites went into captivity, how many generations did it have to go through, do you think? Over uh, I, that I don't know, like a hundred? Two and a half thousand year period. Oh, whoa. Okay, that's a, I, that's a lot. Yes. 
I mean, I just know for the last time I played Chinese Whispers near our table, it was only the third person in that we had a completely different message. So, <laughs> yeah, when you're playing around a table, you do try and you, know, you try yeah. and you try <laughs> and make it humorous. Playing. Yeah, yeah. You try and make it humorous. Okay, so you have no idea how many generations? Tell me. From Adam to uh, Jacob, who went into Egyptian captivity. A uh, five hundred. Four. Four hundred. No, four. Only four generations? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not nearly as many as I thought. Adam to Methuselah to Noah to... to, to uh, right, of course. Shem to Jacob. That would still have be plenty of time for them to mess it up, to be honest. However, what you do need to realise is that the antediluvians were an amazing race of people. Not only mm-hmm. did they live an amazingly long period and, and were amazingly large people, but these were people of superior intellect. Okay. And we get faint traces of that today still passing through to us now that illustrate that, you know, back then, you know, uh, things that we occasionally see like photographic memory would have been just the norm. Yeah. And so if you, ha- if you are near perfection, then you don't need writing. Writing was only invented when human beings degraded to the point that our memory started to weaken. That's such a good point. Like, why would you need to write anything down if you could remember it from yeah, the first time you heard no it point. for the rest of your life? Exactly. And so it's not until after, so the very first time that the gospel message is actually forgotten is during the Egyptian captivity. And as soon as they come out of Egyptian captivity and God has shortened man's lifespan to the proverbial three score and ten, 70 years, and he then says, okay, now it's time to write it down because human memory is just not good enough anymore. Mm. And, and so it's first either way, preserving it. So, so this is why God writes it down mm-hmm. at Mount Sinai. Okay. So Moses was the first person to receive information on his tablet from a cloud. From a cloud. From the cloud. From the cloud. <laughs> the same what cloud we're all using. Yeah. <laughs> no, very different cloud. Very different so cloud and a very different tablet. In fact, the tablet that Moses received his writing on preserved information a whole lot better than the tablets that we use today because ours last, what, a few years? And his true that. carved in stone. And so this is a way of writing it down was also a way of preserving it against human error. That's right. Safeguarding it, I should say. Yeah, and carving it in stone is the best way to do so. Mm-hmm. It's the best form of being able to preserve information. Uh, we've demonstrated that over the last you know, 4,000 years of archaeology where we have so much of that information that has been preserved and you know, books and computers and so forth just don't preserve information like that anymore. Do we still have that carving, that initial carving of the Ten Commandments? We don't have the original, no. It is probably somewhere, but it has not yet been discovered. In Ooh. fact, the Ark of the Covenant is the greatest archaeological discovery of all time. That has not yet been made, and if it has, it's certainly not in a museum anywhere. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so we need to consider then, did the law of God exist before the time of Moses? Well, it did then, it just wasn't written, it was just like... How do we know that? How do we know that? I don't know. Yeah, well, let me the give you... The Bible? Okay, let's, let's start in Genesis chapter 26. Ah, now we're going to the beginning, see? Yeah, Genesis 26, and we will read verse 5. Genesis 26 and verse 5. You got that one there for yep. us, please, Mon? I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. Thank you. So did Abraham obey God's commandments? 
He certainly did. Yes, and his decrees and his statutes. And, and his, his requirements. Stuff. That's it, right there. So the law existed. Clearly there was a law in existence. Which one of the Ten Commandments was the first one mentioned before the time of Moses? Is it the Sabbath, the fourth, number yeah, four? That's yeah, that's right, because that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, mm-hmm. verse 1 to 3. That's really one. early on. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's also the last one mentioned in the Bible, so you can find it in Genesis chapter 2, and you can find it quoted from in Revelation chapter 14. So from one end of the Bible, you find the Sabbath commandment. Spoken of uh, more than any of the others, and this is why when God, if I come to you and say, hey, remember such and such, I'm mm-hmm. referring to something that is a previously taken place yeah. and existed, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you noticed how the Sabbath commandment begins? With remember. Ah, remember. Yeah. Remember the Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. And you need to keep that holy. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's been around for the last two and a half thousand years and you guys need to be keeping this one holy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you find the Sabbath there. Then if you want to find the other commandments, you can find them all either in the books of Genesis or the book of Job. Sorry, the book of Genesis or the book of Job. Oh, really? Book of Job? Yes, because Job was written before Mount Sinai as well, it is believed. Ah, so further evidence that the laws existed before oh, yeah. the hand down. So if you want to find you shall have no other gods before me, go to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 2. If you want to find you shall not worship images, go to Job 31 verse 27 to 28. If you want to find you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, go to Job chapter 1 and verse 5. If you want to find honour your parents, honour your father and your mother, go to Genesis 28 verse 7 or 27 and verse 43. Thou shalt not kill, Genesis 4, 8 and 10. Thou shalt not commit adultery, Genesis 39, 7 to 9. Thou shalt not steal, uh, Genesis 44 verse 8 to 9. Thou shalt not lie, Genesis 3 verse 4. Thou shalt not covet. Genesis 3, verse 6 and 6, verse 5. Okay, there they so are. we have plenty of evidence that the Ten Commandments existed before the big hullabaloo hand down in Sinai, on Sinai. Well, it would be kind of a bit strange for them not to exist because, yeah. you know, this is, this is obvious kind of stuff. The only yeah. one that you might question would be the Sabbath, and, of course, God wrote that one down mm-hmm. you know, more plainly and clearly than any of the others. So They're all good uh, instructions on how to live. Like, you know, don't kill other people and don't steal yeah. from them and don't steal their wives. And Yeah, it's, it's all... It's well, kind all, of what God is going to recommend you do all those yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, So if they're, if they're still in existence and they were in existence before, before the... Um, Mount Sinai. Like, how is that significant to us today? This is what is significant. The, because the law has always been there, and the Bible says the law will always be there, then we know that you know the law is eternal. The law is a transcript of the character of God because it's all about love. Therefore, God is eternal, and God's character is eternal, and God's character will never change. You know what the greatest evidence is that God's law is still in existence today is? That it works? Yeah, the greatest evidence is the cross. Oh. Why don't you think about this for a moment? The purpose of the law, Galatians. Okay, yeah. Chapter 3, I'm going to read this one for you. Mm -hmm. Galatians chapter 3, and we'll go down, I think, to verse 24, where it tells us what the purpose of the law is. Galatians 3 and verse 24, the Bible says, Wherefore the law was our schoolteacher to bring us to Christ so that we can be justified by faith. The law is our school teacher. Yes. Wow. Because it is the law that reveals what sin is. Fair enough. And if we didn't know what sin was, how would we know to go to Christ? 
That makes absolute sense. How would we know that we were a sinner in need of a saviour? Mm-hmm. Now, if God could have done away with the law, then sin would have ceased to exist. Because it is the law that defines what sin is. And if there's no law, it's like, you know, you go up in some places in the Northern Territory where there's no speed limit. Yeah, and you can go as fast as, as you fast like. As you want. Coppers aren't going to pull you over. Mm-hmm. Kangaroo might. <laughs> it's rather suddenly and leave a rather large dent. But um, coppers aren't going to pull you over because, you know, on that stretch of road, there's no speed limit. And uh, th- th- because there's no law, there's no sin. Mm-hmm. And if God had been able to do away with the law, rather than dying, he could have just done away with the law and everybody saved. I guess. So the really easy way of saving people is to do away with the law. And the really hard way is to die on the cross. And Jesus chose the really hard way because the law is all about his character. Mm. And it's a much better way for humans to live and interact with each other. That's right. Much less painful. However, this does not solve our problem of Galatians chapter 3 and verse, what was it there, 19. Why was the law given? Is it? Is it given alongside the promise to show people their sins? But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Okay. So the Bible says very, very clearly it was given only to last until Jesus came, right? Yes. It says coming of the child. That's Jesus. So it doesn't even mention... Because I think a lot of people say it's been nailed to the cross, but this like sounds like it's, you know, at the Ooh, birth. interesting point. Mm. At the incarnation. Mm. That's an interesting point. So is Paul contradicting himself when you go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 31, where it says, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid we establish the law. So in one passage he says, we establish the law, and in the other passage he says, no, 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 it's only here until Christ. So what's going on here? We need to untangle this one. And if you want to hear how this one comes untangled, and it's just an amazing truth when you see it from the Bible, then straight stay tuned because we're going to have a song right now. Melissa Otto, Light as a Bird. As a bird, I could fly That's the way I always feel When your love melts away my fears For I had inside troubled mind Mistakes I wanted to hide How could I be alike for you? I'm as light as a bird for you Have shown all my weaknesses You've
FM Australia 87.6, 87.8 and 88 FM and we are here in our Encounter with God section just dissecting the problem in Galatians 3 verse 19. Hmm. Is Paul contradicting himself? In this passage here in Galatians 3.19, he appears to say that the law was added until Christ. Mm, it certainly sounds like he's contradicting himself. And in Romans chapter 3 and verse 31, he says, Do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. We established the law, and the word void there comes from a number of different words that um, Paul could use, uh, or it could be translated as, in fact, that word katageo is translated as nullify, abolish, brought to nothing, destroy. My so word. Paul is very, very clearly saying, do we destroy, nullify, abolish, Bring to nothing the law of God, and he says, God forbid. It's almost as if he is afraid that someone will misunderstand him somewhere in the future and think that the law of God was nailed to the cross. It's like, how can I write this down in the clearest possible way so that no one will ever get it wrong? Okay, fair dinkum, but then why does he say here in Galatians 3.19 basically the opposite? Okay. Like, which one's correct, and why did he say the one that isn't correct? They're both correct. They're both correct? They're both correct. Go to Romans chapter 5. And read for me verse 13. Romans 5.13 Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Ah, now I want you to think about that. So their sin existed mm-hmm. while the Israelites were in Egyptian captivity, right? Mm-hmm. But the Bible says the times of our ignorance... God winks at. He turns a blind eye to those things that we are ignorant of, right? Mm -hmm. And so while they're in Egyptian captivity, they have lost the law of God because they have forgotten the law of God, and God turns a blind eye to their ignorance. But then he adds the law for what purpose? To highlight their sin. So they've come out of Egyptian captivity and they're like, yeah, we're all good. And God's like, well, actually, you know what? There's this thing called the law. Let me share it with you. Mm-hmm. And so now, suddenly, they realize that their sin is in need of a saviour, information that they had not had before. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you go down to, let me see here, um, let's go to uh, verse 20. Chapter 5, verse Romans 5, verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Okay, so God's law was, in mine mine it says, the law ended that the offense or sin might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Mm. It's a great promise right there. And so the people are like, yeah, yeah, we're all good. And there wasn't a whole lot of sin because they were ignorant of the law. Mm. Times of our ignorance, God winks at his, doesn't hold us accountable for what we don't know. So there wasn't a whole lot of sin. 
But God wants people to know about the law. He wants them to know about their sins so that they can live a righteous life and a happy and fulfilling life. So God speaks the law from Mount Sinai. Suddenly, their sin has abounded. They suddenly realize, whoa, we're actually full of sin. We are sinners right now. We really need some help here. And of course, they're directed to Jesus Christ as their Savior um, in those days, of course, through the sacrifice of the Lamb. And so when sin abounded, grace much more abounded because at the same time as God gave his law, he gave the sacrifice of the uh, Lamb once again. Okay. That sounds nice, but still doesn't quite explain Galatians okay, 3.19. Okay, so that explains why mm-hmm. Galatians says the law was given. Yes. Okay. What about the last part of that passage there in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19? Let me just flick my pages back over there again. And where it says, until the seed should come. In other words, until the child should come, until Jesus should come. Mm. Okay, the answer to that is if we go down to verse 24, let's read that one again. Verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Okay, guardian, school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, tutor, the Bible says, some translations say, schoolmaster, mine says, to teach us. So the law is our schoolmaster to teach us what sin is. Mm-hmm. When Christ comes... We receive justification or forgiveness for our sins. When we are not forgiven of our sins, we are under the law, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Christ comes, we now come under grace. So Christ comes, he brings his grace so that we can be forgiven of the times we have broken the law and on top of that given the power that we need to be able to gain the victory over temptations so that we can keep the law. Because you can't keep the law without the power of God. That's impossible. It's yeah, never going to happen. Not. Yeah, no. Yeah. Which is why it goes on to say, but after faith has come, we don't need the school teacher anymore. So just in our last one and a half minutes, Lyle, it said that the Lord was designed to last only until the coming of the child. Is there a different law somewhere, maybe? There are. Well, there's the ceremonial law, of course, and that did only last until uh, oh. Jesus came. But this is referring to really all of the law right here. And, and the key is right there in verse 25. After faith has come, we're no longer under a school teacher. So the law is our school teacher to show us our need of our Savior. The Savior comes. We don't need that law anymore because we have been saved from the law. The law has pointed us to where our salvation is. We then uh, go ahead and sin again, and we need the law again. We need the law when we sin, not when we are um, experiencing the power of God's grace to gain victory over our temptations. Amen. A wonderful Bible study today. Thank you for doing our encounter with God, Lyle. You're always good at leading out with that. I am going to hit you, however, with another clue for our quiz today. So it's a who am I? And I'm This person qu- is who we've been talking a lot about this morning. It's true. Okay, so I'm going to... known as the seed... Now you're giving away too much here. (laughs) So clue four is Isaiah 53 speaks about my death. If you you think you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669 and we will send you the prize, which is a copy of The First Lie, a very interesting book. We are going to have a song break now and after that we're going to have our Family Matters section, um, which is our new section by Darren, wonderful informative about family. If you have a family, you should stay tuned and listen in. We're now going to have Vocal Union, What Heavenly Music. 
Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You're here with Darren Pratt and we're discussing family matters. And today we're discussing the power of serving together as a family. What I mean by that is maybe you and your children serving in a soup kitchen or maybe it's um, Meals on Wheels or maybe it's a backyard blitz in a neighbour's um, backyard chopping firewood Maybe it's going on a service trip together. Um, there are so many ways that you as a family can serve. And here's the thing. The research is clear that service and faith development are inextricably linked. Service appears to be more powerful than taking your children to church, Bible study, um, or other church factors in the faith development of your children. Diana Garland says that as families serve together, they grip a deeper understanding of one another and God. They find their faith more resilient and meaningful. Their children develop a faith that helps them stick to the church and to their beliefs into young adulthood. Ivy Beckwith says that if we think that cloistering our children in a Christian ghetto will make them into God's people, we are sorely mistaken. But by being a community that models concern and care for the rest of the world, and by involving our children in that care and concern, we can help our children become people of faith. Service of Found grows children's faith exponentially. But the secret to success is serving together as a family, finding something, something simple that you as a family can do together, maybe on a weekly basis where you serve, 
or maybe it's a monthly basis or even just once a year, a major service trip maybe. But find ways to serve others together regularly. You know, children, um, often when they've been difficult and when you're having trouble at home, when you find that the, the kids are just going crazy, often taking them out and getting them involved in a service trip solves all of those issues. It turns the hearts of the family and of the children outwards. They realise that there are others out there who are in need and that they are privileged and that they can make a difference. You know, my family regularly, when I was growing up, found ways to serve. Whether my dad growing vegetables together and we helped dad grow his garden to give away to people in need, collecting for the Red Cross or the Adra Appeal or for the Salvation Army, we as a family went together We serve together, and the most powerful thing is to find ways to debrief together what you just did. That's what makes faith sticky, and that grows faith in our kids and our family exponentially. So get out there. Serve your world. Service to others really does matter for you, your family, and your children's faith. You're listening to Family Matters on Faith FM with Darren Pratt.
one I don't know about you, but I've not heard that piece before by Garamal and Paul Kelly. It's a beautiful Amazing rendition. Grace. It's mm. just that was just a, yeah, awesome. We have a question of the day and Ooh. another clue from the quiz. Yes, what do you want first? Clue from the quiz. Okay, clue from the quiz. Who am I? Hebrews 3 1 tells us to fix our thoughts and on And don't this forget person. there's a great prize coming mm-hmm. up for this clue. A book called The First Lie. Isaiah 7.14 speaks truth about my birth. I said it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Isaiah 53 speaks about my death. And then our new clue is I can... You know what? You know what? I figured something out. Oh, goodness. What? These clues are specifically trying to make this one obscure because it is so obvious. It absolutely is. That's so true. But this one's about to become really, really easy. So, So our next clue is I came down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who <laughs> sent me. Yeah, I think someone's going to get mm-hmm. a free book off that one. Who came down from heaven to do the not his will, but the will of the one who sent him? If you think you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us 491 What is our question of the day? Is gambling money wrong? (laughs) Now, this is a question that I suspect, Monica, came from your story of the day where Mm -hmm. you talked about a lottery ticket that was found and then returned to its rightful owner by tracing down the timestamp on it and returning a million dollars to somebody. I mean, Mm. that's really quite outstanding. It's a great story, but it did bring up the issue of like, should we be gambling? Is it really that wrong? What does the Bible say about gambling? Hence our question. Somebody has sent this question in. Okay, so is gambling wrong? Let me start with this first. Mm-hmm. Surrender to God, total surrender to God indicates or is based on the fact that God is in total control of your life. Okay. God being in total control of your life is incompatible with an addiction. But what if it's not an addiction? Well, I'm going to come to that in just a moment. Okay. But my first question is if Addictions are incompatible with a relationship with God. Should Christians ever involve themselves in something that is addictive? I would say no, because wouldn't addiction mean that that is taking the place of God in your heart because you honor it above everything else? Well, it's not so much the honor, because a lot of people really hate their addictions. But they they bow down to it, basically. But it's what's in control. So when the Bible says, yes, when the Bible says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, which one is in control? Is your addiction in control or is God in control in your life? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves today. And if it's in control, irrespective of whether or not you like it, you kind of are honoring it by, you know. Yeah, that's right. Giving it your service. Okay, so uh, uh, gambling is one of the worst addictions that we have here in Australia. It causes a massive amount of uh, social problems and heartache and pain and broken marriages. And I can personally testify to that. Um, very close friends of mine who, you know, have a very long and happy marriage and then suddenly um, one of them became involved in gambling and it just tore that whole family apart. Oh, that's so sad. And so this is something that, you know, okay, let's say that uh, you think, well, I don't really have a problem with this. I can do this in moderation. It's not going to hurt me. Uh, but who else is it hurting? What kind of example are you setting to other people? Who is going to take up it, this particular addiction because you're involved in it? What are you, influence are you going to have on your children and the people that are around you? What kind of a stumbling block, as the Bible calls it, are you going to place in the way of people who don't, who are tempted with that particular temptation? Mm. Having said all that, there are a number of passages in the Bible, 1 Timothy 6.10, Hebrews 13.5, which talks about staying away from the love of money. And gambling has no appeal without the love of money. Uh, Proverbs 13.11, 23 verse 5, and Ecclesiastes 5.10, once again, talk about get-rich-quick schemes. These are things we should be staying away from. 
We're going to have a quick song break. This is Marion Blythe Peppers with I Have Heard the Voice of Jesus. Peppers, I heard the voice of Jesus here on Faith FM. Monica, what are we giving away today? It's our giveaway time. I love giving stuff away. Okay, so today we have a book called 10 Days Prayers and Devotions to Experience the Baptism of the Holy Spirit by Dennis Smith. So it's a wonderful book. You've read this book, right? Yes. Oh, I think I read... Because he has multiple ones and they're all like a little bit different, I think. Okay. I can't remember which one it was that I read. Because I read the one with the red cover and this one is a blue cover. I think the red cover is the 40 days. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, 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 you're right. So this goes over uh, 10 days and it breaks up the chapters into each day, the portion that, you're, that you are to read. And so it has... Um, 
It has chapters like, let me just read them out. So, uh, two great outpourings of the Spirit, an observable difference, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving Christ in fullness, obedience from the heart, fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, all these kind of... um, So, this book is not just a a book, it's actually an experience. It's an experience. You're getting an experience because Mm -hmm. what you actually do is you go through the, you you work your way through this whole process for a whole 10 days. Yep. Of, uh, of time it, of prayer. Yeah, it's guiding you through 10 days of prayer to experience uh, an inner feeling of the Holy Spirit. So each day is broken uh, into, um, you know, in, uh, information you read and then it has little discussion questions where you can ask yourself, you can search your own heart and, uh, and it has, you know, Bible verses to um, guide you through that soul searching section. You know what I think would be a great idea? Mm-hmm. Combine this whole um, little workbook right here mm-hmm. with, say, a plain foods fast. Oh, that's a really good just idea. Just go on plain foods, yep. like, you know, like Daniel did, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, vegetables and water for uh, for a whole week. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Ten days? Yeah, and there's also, uh, at the end of each chapter, there's a prayer focus, and so it guides you to, you know, what to pray for. So I'm looking at chapter five right now, which is also day five, and the prayer focus is to ask God to baptize you with his spirit and to manifest Jesus fully in your life and to bless those on your prayer list. So not only do you pray for yourself, you pray for others. This is a fantastic book right here. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Be the first caller through or the first messenger through or shoot us a message on Facebook real quick. If you're already there, give us your name and number and details and we will have a free book coming your direction right now this morning. If you wish to experience a rejuvenation of the Holy Spirit and your spiritual life, this will be the book for you. Absolutely. Now, of course, if you want to know more about the Bible, give us a call. We love to connect people with the Bible in any way that we possibly can. So if you'd like to study the Bible in a small group or one-on-one or by correspondence or online or any other different kind of way, give us a call. We will make it happen for you. There is Bible study opportunities for every single person right here in this country right now. And we've loved being out. We've loved, oh, can't even get my words out right. We've loved having you on the show today with us. And we look forward to hanging out with you again tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news.
to Faith FM, positively different radio. This inner home from death to 